last time on Either Or. Chris is, uh, is standing up for the Rolling Stones. Jimmy, that means you have the Beatles. John, yeah. Paul, George, and Ringo. I thought I was doing ABBA. And welcome to another episode of the Either Or Podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me as always, my good friend, Chris Evans. Hello, Steve. The sun is out. The birds are singing. Spring has sprung in Southern California. Even in these strange, socially distanced times, we are opening up, or we are being wary of opening up, or we are not wary enough about opening up. (laughs) I can hear the call of summer. It Mm. is screaming my name. How about you, Steve? It is calling my name, and it's a weird spring, Chris. It's a weird spring because, Chris, there's no baseball happening. God, I miss it, Steve. I love baseball. I love baseball. We we have talked about baseball. I, I think that probably the genesis of this show began with us sitting in, in ballparks having conversations about who should make the Hall of Fame, yep. either this person or that person. Who's the better lefty, Sandy Koufax or Warren Spahn? Who who would you rather have at the plate in a clutch in, in a clutch situation? Who is the better manager? I mean, all those conversations we've had over the years really was the somewhat uh, the genesis of our friendship, Chris. And we both agree Steve Sachs had the greatest second baseman arm ever. <laughs> the man could steal 40 bases, but he couldn't throw it 40 feet. What What the hell was going on with him that season? Well, I don't know, but he's a winner with the Dodgers, right? I, I, baseball is just such a part of our friendship and, and this country and just the fabric of everything we do. It's, it's weird. I, I miss the other sports. I miss basketball. I miss football. I miss those types of things. But baseball for me is the, is, is the real loss. And I hope they can get something in. It's so true. Well, we're, we're hoping, and, and most of America, most of the world, frankly, there's a lot of baseball fans around the world. We want baseball to come back. We want to do it safely. We want to be social distancing. We want to do it at the right time in the right way. But, man, I hope baseball comes back soon. And so uh, we've got a very special episode of Either Or. Uh, we are doing Peanuts or Cracker Jacks today, Chris. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. We're going to do it a little bit differently. So we're doing peanuts or Cracker Jacks for sure. But we're going to talk about all of the reasons we like baseball. And we've got, well, we've got a bunch of different either or questions to ask one another with no guests today. It's just you and me. You know, we thought about, Steve, who we could get on this show that's a, a fellow baseball lover. But I really can't think of anybody who, who loves baseball more than you, Steve. Mm. So you're the perfect guest uh, to be my foil today because... Uh, it's baseball, and you know a heck of a lot about baseball. It's Chris, it's Steve, it's Peanuts, it's Cracker Jacks, it's baseball. Let's do this. The stage is set. The curtain rises. We are ready to begin. Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Okay, you two punks, I want a good, clean fight. I'm listening. I'm invincible! You're a loony. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? You talking to me? Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. Is it safe? All right, Chris, uh, we are breaking from the traditional either or format. Uh, we both prepared some either or questions for one another. In addition to our arguments for peanuts versus Cracker Jacks, you are standing up for peanuts. I've got Cracker Jacks. We'll save those to the end, but... First, we're just talking about the sport we love, Chris, baseball. What do you miss most, man? For me, it's just the sound of a ball hitting a mitt. Like, that is just sheer perfection. There's something so alluring about 
that pause, that pop, especially when it's a 95 mile hour fastball. Um, I, I miss that. Just the small things to begin with. What about you? Just getting out to the ballpark. I mean, I, I don't take advantage of where I work enough, but I work, I mean, we record the show here in Los Angeles area. I work 15 minutes from Dodger stadium in, in, in 2017, I called you at four 30 in the afternoon and said, I have two tickets to game six of the world series. And you, you got in your car and made it by game time. And you and I attended that game for uh, for a three, one Dodger win. Uh, and, and you know, I, I don't go to enough Dodger games. I, I bleed Dodger blue. I don't get up there enough, but just, just getting into the ballpark, uh, it, it feels so weird not to have baseball games to come home to, um, and just to see the scores and just to just to have it be happening around me, even though we're not going to the games, uh, maybe as much as we want as working adults. Um, but, I, you know, all the times I could have been going to, to games right after work, I'm I'm wishing I had been now because they're just not available now. I'm sad. What was, what was perfect about that day, though, Steve, that was that was Halloween, October 31st. <laughs> you know, funny. I had no time. I left my Orange County home. You used you know, some program, we were driving through back alleys going 85 miles an hour. We walked into Dodger Stadium right as they were starting the national anthem, and it was perfect. Big stakes, too. I lose. Yeah. I grow a mustache. Our lifelong bet, right? You That's know? Right. We should, and I we was should... there with you. I was pulling with you. I wanted to see the Dodgers win, even though it meant physical emotional torture to my students and my family to see me with that mustache. So we should, we should lay this out for listeners. We have a lifelong bet, whichever team wins. Okay. So Chris's team is the Braves. My team is the Dodgers. If the Braves win the world series, I need to grow a Tom Selleck esque mustache for a month and vice versa. If the Dodgers win the world series, Chris has got to do it. Although Chris has got the, you got the, you're going to grow a mustache much uh, faster than I will. I grew one last <laughs> night. I am half wolf man. <laughs> so it is ready at the moment. And I too, Steve, I miss this. I mean, just the, there's, there's a brilliance to baseball that when you're there, it's as though everything evaporates, everything goes away. And so it's that perfect sort of, you know, moment where you can just reflect on lots of things. I, you know, I was thinking about last night, what I love about baseball and it's sort of like the buzz of the game that it, baseball can be a bit of a lull it's like nothing is happening and you look up and you think it's the sixth inning there are no hits he's got a no hitter going or you know you're just casually chatting with your friend having a beer and all of a sudden that crack of the bat and that liner that goes out and some center fielder makes a, a layout catch i mean that baseball is the perfect sport for that right They're those little moments of, of everything that happens and and i miss that there's and there's been so much written and said about the poetry of the game and just the idea that there can be no hits yeah. and it can be the most exciting game you've ever seen. I prefer one to zero as yes. long as it's not against the Braves than 12, 11. It's the game within the game that yeah. makes it so special for baseball fans. And I, and I think it's also the game before the game too, that, I mean, mm. you think, you know, my son loves to get there early and try to collect baseballs and talk to the players and, mm -hmm. 
you know, there was a game he was at that uh, Mike Trout was was chatting with him for multiple, you know, innings before he finally tossed him up a ball. I mean, what's better than Mike Trout throwing your son a ball, right? That's amazing. And, and it is. It's the conversations you strike up with people around you. It's the it's the the, the guessing that we have of. You know, I think he's coming with a change up here or, you know, you know, you think they're going to butt in this situation. I know that's old school there, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the beauty of what baseball is, right? Yeah, it's the, and it's the camaraderie and the history that goes with baseball fans. You know, you, you said you were rooting for the Dodgers with me in the World Series game. I saw a playoff game in the old Turner Field. And I, I was there. I was there for a work thing. And I just walked up, bought a ticket, sat next to these these two uh these two guys, I had never tried, okay, here we go, boiled peanuts. Never tried them before in my <laughs> life. And these guys had brought them into the ballpark, shared their peanuts with me. I was doing the tomahawk chop by the end of that game. I mean, it's just something you can, you all fans can just buy right into. It's baseball. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's playing. You love the game. And that's what baseball, it's so special to me on so many different levels. And I'm not so sure that uh, tomahawk chop is the most culturally sensitive of, <laughs> of moves or actions. And even sneaking those boiled peanuts, my goodness, uh, as we, we, this was not part of my argument, but try boiling some Cracker Jack and see what happens there. <laughs> but, but that is such a, a, a wonderfully Southern thing, boiled peanuts. For those of you who haven't had them, uh, wow, they are amazing, aren't they, Steve? They were delicious. That was 1996. <laughs> so do they still do the tomahawk chop there in? In uh, in in Atlanta, is that still a they thing? They do. Okay, they do until they get eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's something they're getting good at. Uh, they're, they're comfortable with that. And even back to the the connections you have, I think of our game we took to Wrigley Field. Uh, you know, mostly Dodger fans at that time. The yeah. the guy with the giant Dodger mohawk, right? Well, it was it was Blue Hawk Blue was Hawk. his name. Blue Hawk, and yes. it was just massive. I loved that. That was yeah. phenomenal, right? Well, and it's it, baseball is passed on from generation to generation, right? My mother came out to L.A. Um, as a little girl in the 60s, and one of the first things she did was go see the Dodgers play in the Coliseum. My mother saw Koufax strike out 18 in the Coliseum. That's one of her earliest memories of her childhood here in L.A., and that that love of the game was passed on to me. And I mean, I bleed Dodger blue. I came, I came out of the womb listening to Vin Scully, quite literally. And as you know, I grew up a Dodger fan. I mean, you know, we're we're a little older than probably than many of our listeners, and you know, we used to have one baseball game on Saturdays right before ESPN. Mm. And I grew up in in rural Mississippi, a huge Dodger fan. Garvey, Say, Lopes, Russell. Dusty Baker, Rick Mundy. That was my team. I loved him. And I came out here when I was 10 and had tickets to a game. And I still remember a 10-year-old watching Steve Garvey in the eighth inning rocket a double off the, the left field fence to, to win the game. And it was one of the most exciting moments of my life. To follow it up, I, I went to the to World Series game two in 88. Steve Garvey was sitting about six rows from me. I have an 88 World Series program with Steve Garvey's signature on it. Uh, you know, those are the memories that baseball creates. Well, as you know, Chris, I was at that uh, World Series as well, game one, the night before you, when Kirk Gibson hit his famous home run. And my date at that game was my lovely wife, Lisa, our third date of our relationship. And we ended up getting married two years later, and we've been together 30 years. A little bit of magic from Kirk Gibson's bat 
somehow, man, he just gave some to me and I found the love of my life. It just, it just happened. I, I don't think I saw that game yet. I, I must have missed that one. So what happened? You only have to fill me in later. And, uh, and one, one, one of these days, I'll meet your lovely wife, Lisa. Spoiler alert. He hits a home <laughs> run. They win. Um, Chris, we have some uh, either or prepared for one another. Some little mini either ors here. Uh, do you want to go first or are you going to let me go first? I'll go first. because I think it, it plays off right. of uh, what we were just discussing. For okay. question number one for you, Steve. All right. What is the best single day you've ever had at a baseball stadium? Was it that miracle 1988 World Series Kirk Gibson home run? Or was it that Dodgers-Cubs game at Wrigley Field with your best friend, me? Oh, and Tommy Lasorda. Oh, well, Chris and Tommy, I don't want to disappoint you. But I'm going to have to. I guess it was, what, 32 years ago? 1988, October 15th, 1988 to be exact. Kirk Gibson hobbled up to the plate with a bad knee on one leg and a almost a torn hamstring on the other. And he got a backdoor slider from future Hall of Famer Dennis Eckerslini, knocked that thing over the right field wall, sending the Dodgers to victory in game one of the 1988 World Series. And I was in, I was there. I cried for an hour <laughs> like a baby when he hit and that for- home run and I, I gotta say well, sorry to cut you off i gotta say that was lisa's first baseball game that's a that's crazy that's the first time she's ever gone to a game and by the way joke for the listener uh i i know lisa exceptionally well i've met her many times <laughs> that amazes me that she, that was the first baseball game she went to like yeah, how she, do you make it that long without going to a baseball game i don't know and but she was looking at me going like is every game like this like <laughs> it was you nuts. have the context to understand the, the the amazing nature so so if you were in the stadium that means you didn't hear vin cully vin scully's call which is oh. I, I think perhaps the finest single call of a sporting event that's miracle on ice level yeah. calling. Yeah. And, and you watch it today. Yeah. You texted me a, a few mo- mornings ago and said, Chris, it's on ESPN. Turn it on and watch right. it again. And I was just as excited to watch it again. It's 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 one of the best moments uh, I can remember. And I saw it from a bar playing pool with another friend of ours. And the next night I was there. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It was it was uh it was in a it was one of the most uh moving moments of my life, let alone of a baseball game. I mean, it was just incredible, incredible day. All right, Chris, uh, boy, you went for the, you went for the home run swing right off the bat. I'm going to go a little bit lighter on you, Chris, Chris, you have a, you have an opportunity to sit down and have a beer, but you, and you have a guest, but you you got to pick one. You can only have a beer with one of these men. You got to pick between Hank Aaron or Greg Maddox. Oh, you're going Braves on me there. Gosh. Two Braves. You know know me. I love Greg Maddox. I I love the fact that someone can win 355 baseball games by throwing 90 miles an hour and having a (laughs) changeup that goes 17 different ways. He was smart. He was thoughtful. He was funny. But it's Hank Aaron. I mean, how do you pass up having a conversation with Hank Aaron? Hey, you know what Hank Aaron faced? Uh, we're, we're, We're going through... The civil rights movement in America. This is a man playing baseball in Atlanta, Georgia, and breaking records of perhaps the greatest of all time. 
he was a genuine class act on and off the field. He still is. And he was doing something that was just unrivaled. And he wasn't a huge dude. Like you see Hank Aaron, he wasn't a massive fellow like, you know, Mark McGuire. Um, He carried himself with such grace. So I I would have to take Hank Aaron. I would have to pick his brain not only about baseball, but about, about life. Um you know, uh, it, you know, I know I posed the same question to you, Vin Scully or, or, or Sandy Koufax. Like that, that'd be a tough one. Yeah. But to me, that's a that's a no brainer. I, I take Hank Aaron um, in a heartbeat. And then I hope that Greg Maddox hears that conversation and says, "Chris, I want to sit down with you too and buy you dinner." <laughs> there you go. Love that. Well done. So, Steve, I, I have one for you as well, too. This is a little longer question, so I do apologize for this one, but I wanted to to to, to clue our listeners into uh, the moment. So I have to, to give a little uh, recount here. Okay. What's the worst pain you've ever felt in baseball? Ugh. Was it that 1985 Jack Clark bomb? The Dodgers were leading the series 2-0. Then they the Cardinals tied it at 2-2. Ozzie Smith hit a home run. He had not hit a home run left-handed for, I don't know, 12 billion at-bats. And it went to game six. The Dodgers were winning. It's it, it's the ninth inning. They have two men out, two men on, a base open. Jack Clark comes up. Tommy Lasorda pitches to him. And Jack Clark hits that freaking bomb. It still hasn't come down. It is that thing is it's gonna <laughs> land in Arizona. And he jogged so slowly. He took his time around those bases. It was a 90-second run around the bases. Was it that moment? Or was it game, at game seven loss to those pitch-stealing, arrogant, cheating, swagger-laden Astros? We <laughs> left that stadium in game six knowing the Dodgers would win, and it just did not go your way. So what is it? Jack Clark home run in 85, cheating Astros in – 2017 which one hurts more man you're you are uh you're not only you're not only like digging opening up old wounds here (laughs) you're you're pouring salt in and just like grinding it in there um i'm gonna have to go with the jack clark moment because i was in high school when that happened um I, I was living and dying with the Dodgers at that point in my life. I mean, I'm a huge Dodger fan now, I, I and I always will be. But at that time, I was stopping what I was doing to listen to the Dodgers on the radio in the middle of the school day. I was I knew all the stats. I was tracking the players. I was concerned with so-and-so's left knee because, he, you know, I was tracking everything about the team. And... um I still think to this day that if you look up ratings for managers, Tommy is often given a B or a B plus, And I think that moment is why mm-hmm. he had first base open and he could have put Clark on and he pitched to him and, and, and that lost the series for the Dodgers. And I feel so bad for, cause Tommy Lasorda was a quality manager. He could manage a team. And uh, I think that moment was in some ways, very defining for his legacy. And thankfully he went on to win in 88, uh, three years later, but boy, that Jack Clark moment really hurt. And, uh, on the, on the up hand, on on the other side, on, uh, on the other hand, it, it, it did solidify even further, a, a, a wonderful rivalry between the Dodgers and Cardinals, which lives on to this day. Uh, 
but Jack Clark, I still think about that name and it just makes me grind my teeth. Oh, that Clark, that Clark moment just hurts to this day. Oh God. And that was a good Dodger team. I mean, 88, that wasn't a good Dodger team. I mean, they were playing Mike Davis and Mickey Hatcher. And I mean, I looked at that roster the other day and it was terrifying in 88. Like how did they win? But you go back to that that 85 team, it was stacked. I mean, that's a, that's a tough loss. And and yeah, the Cardinals to, to lose to them, their fans let you know about it. For a long time, man. That that one's personal, Chris. That one hurt, man. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm throwing you off for the peanut cracker jack <laughs> conversation. <laughs> All right, uh, Chris, I've got one for you here. Um, this is this one's been talked about quite a bit, but uh, I'm going to throw this out to you. And we, I think we've talked about this one in the past, but I don't remember your uh, your answer. So, Chris, you've got one Hall of Fame vote. Just one. You're going to put in Barry Bonds or you're going to put in Roger Clemens? Ooh, that's a tough one. I thought you were going to go Pete Rose for sure. Um, No, that's too easy because I think we all put Pete in at some level at this point. And we hate Pete for it. Like like, growing up a Dodger fan, for me, you hated the very essence of Pete Rose for so many reasons. But what a baseball player. Um, Pete's a dick. Let's face it, but the, the guy could hit like a like nobody else. But Pete, if you want to come on the show, we will invite you today. We will take your gambling ass and we will ask you questions, and we we will love it. Uh, Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds? Now I know we talked about not getting too deep into stats here, but right, Roger Clemens right. seven Cy Young awards. Yeah, Barry yeah. Bonds seven hundred. How many? You know, eight hundred twenty-three homers, something like that. No, no, no. You're too high. Yeah. So, so he 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 ended up beating. I don't think he hit eight hundred. Did he? He still he. he I well, well, Hank had seven fifty-five, right? So I think I think. I think Bonds is like seven seventy-three. Oh, but right. but we'll oh, have to look oh, that up. If oh, I'm mistaken. That's true. All right. Um, well, while you talk, maybe I'll uh, I'll do a little uh, on the fly research here. And and I can do that one quickly. You know, I. I know Clemens had seven Cy Youngs. Maddox had five. That's just incredible numbers. No one will ever win 300 games in baseball again. But I'm, I'm going to take Barry Bonds. I mean, and I hate him. I hate Barry Bonds. I hate everything he stands for. Uh, when he was a pirate, he was the best player in baseball. He was fast. He could steal bases. He could hit home runs. He, you know, he, he was every possible tool you wanted. He was a fielder. He had a great arm. But those years with the Giants, when he was steroided up and his head grew twelve sizes that day, um, <laughs> you could you couldn't throw him a pitch. You couldn't throw you could not throw him a strike that he did not hit. It, you know, I, I was looking this up with my son one day, and, and he walked one season almost two hundred times. Right? You could not throw to him, and, and every single at bat was made for television moment. Um, Gosh, he's one of those guys you you love to hate. I'm I'm glad he never won a World Series, um, but every at bat, I don't think we've seen anything like that. And, and and I, you know, steroid era, all of that. He still hit every pitch thrown at him, and the steroids had very little to do with it. It's just how far he hit it and how healthy he stayed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Barry Bonds. I, I put him in. I hate it. I walk past his bust at Cooperstown. I I. I you know, I silently flipping the bird, you name it. But but he was, I think he was the best player we have seen uh, in, in the last 40 years, if not all of baseball. You know, Mike Trout's getting up there. Mike Trout's challenging him for lots of things, but I don't know if he can ever even match what Bonds did. It was, it was incredible. 
You were right. 762 is what he landed on there at the end of his career. Yeah. Yeah. We lost credit. We, well, we lost credibility with our listeners there. Like, ah, oh, come on, guys. You should know that. Saturn O uh, in the Japan League was 868, I think is what I was thinking ah. of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 762. Yeah, that those last few seasons with Bonds were like, it was watching a, like, you know, PlayStation or something. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. It had to suck to be a Dodger fan at that time because they played him uh, so often. There's a there's a great YouTube video of Eric Gagne when he he went for a season and a half with no blown saves when he was just he won the Cy Young Award, roided up, but okay, yeah, but he was just unbelievable and uh, unhittable and Barry Bonds at the so both at the top of their uh, at the mm-hmm. peak of their roids infused um, dominance. Um, and there, you could find it on YouTube and it's the two of them. It's a really long at bat that ends with a Barry Bonds home run. You have to find sure. it. It's unbelievable. It's just on freaking believable watching those two go at each other. It's a fastball, fastball, fa- 99, 99, 99, 99. Finally Bonds hits it out. It's crazy. I will find that video today. And luckily it took uh, my, my, my second favorite team, the angels right in 2002 to, to, to dethrone him and take away that championship. And then, you know, it took a, a an earthquake to throw him off again as well too. And, and, and luckily the A's won that one. Uh, so yeah, good. Uh, but cos- cosmic justice, Barry Bonds never wins a world series, but he's perhaps the greatest player of all time. Barring, you know, Willie Mays. Right. Not to go negative, but you know, you could have asked me which which brings me more joy: the Gibson home run or the fact that Bonds never won one. Um, <laughs> that was actually, close. That would be close. I actually thought about that, but I have a better question for you here, right, Steve. Bring My it. third question to you, and I, I I thought long and hard about this one, and this is this is a quick one, but a fun one. All right. One one of these things has to happen to you. It is unavoidable. Ooh. You have to take one for the team. Okay. You have to t- take a, a Clayton Kershaw fastball, 92-93, right in the middle of your back. Or okay. Okay. or you get a public cursing out, an epic <laughs> profanity-laden rant in front of the entire world, and the entire baseball media from Tommy Lasorda, <laughs> Mr. Salty of them all. One of those things has to happen to you, Steve. Oh. Which one do you take? Tommy, bring it <laughs> on. Oh, I want that. I want the question. Tommy, <laughs> what do you think of Steve Baldwin's performance? <laughs> I want the I want the Dave Kingman tirade laced at me yes i will take that gladly are you i don't want that clayton kershaw fastball in my back are you kidding me no 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 i want the tommy directed at me that sounds great you need to somehow link that rant to our our facebook page our listeners need to hear that epic Tommy moment. Yeah, and if, if for you younger listeners, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, find on YouTube, just uh, search for Tommy Lasorda, Ga- Dave Kingman, Tommy Lasorda, Dave Kingman rant. A reporter asked him, what did you think of Dave Kingman's performance? And Tommy let the reporter know what he thought about it. Uh, with some very colorful language, we'll say. This is a clean rating on our show, so we can't repeat it. But I think in a 30-second 
span there's <laughs> there's maybe there's maybe 17 or 18 f bombs um it's pretty good oh it's great <laughs> <laughs> Right, Steve, Chris, fire away. You've got one for me. I've got one more for you. All right, Chris. Uh, Chris, you've got a weekend series to attend. you got a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday day game. Perfect September weather. All three games. I've got you seats behind home plate. All expenses paid, Chris. For either the Cubs and Cardinals at Wrigley Field. Or Red Sox Yankees at Fenway Park. Where are you oh, going? That, that is a great question, Steve. Oh, that is so good. You know, I think that's what, what I love most about baseball too. That you know, if, like football, th- there are places to go see baseball, football games, Lambeau Field, you know, Soldier, you know, Field. But the dimensions are exactly the same. That the nuances of baseball, every field is entirely unique. And I think you've given us the, the, the two meccas. That's the Mecca and Jerusalem of baseball right yes. there. It, 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 it's hard to beat those two. But I, I, mine's going to be very, very simple. And I've been there many times. It, it, it's Wrigley Field. Wrigley is such an amazing atmosphere. You, you arrive on that train. You, you, you wander through Wrigley, Wrigleyville and you prepare for that game in a, in, in a wonderfully liquefied way. It's just a great atmosphere. <laughs> Everyone there is ready for baseball. And as we found out when we went to Chicago and saw some games together, you walk in that stadium and, and, and it's almost tears come to your eyes, right? Every, every spot is different. You, you know, the outfield, left field, right field, they get on one another. They know everything about the outfielders. They are into that game the ushers, we met one of the nicest ladies in the history of all human beings who, who wanted to get us napkins for our bratwurst. And Wrigley is just perfect. I mean, it, it's where Babe Ruth called his shot. You know, for so long it was that place. And the beauty of baseball, the ultimate in futility, but yet still they believed each and every time. And and, and Wrigley with that, with that grass – I was lucky many years ago, and I know we both have had tours of the stadium with another friend of mine to to be able to run the bases. And 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 and, and we were told the field is yours for thirty minutes. Don't pick the ivy. And it was one of the best moments of my life. So it's Wrigley Field. It's mm. it's Chicago. It's it that, that's the perfect perfect place. And and if you're a baseball fan and you haven't been to Wrigley. You're not a baseball fan. <laughs> you know, Red Sox, great. You know, you can't get tickets. There's a big, giant, green monster out there. I get it. I understand it. It's the same field, but it's Wrigley. I take Wrigley every time. There you go. Baseball mecca. Got to make the pilgrimage to Wrigley Field. You got to do it. You got to do it. Chris, are you ready for peanuts or Cracker Jacks? So, so this is the point. In the show where we actually get to the point of the show. <laughs> yeah, yes, I am ready for peanuts or cracker jacks. We could talk for days about baseball, but uh, the show has a purpose, and we are snacking lovers, Chris. We're talking about either peanuts or cracker jacks today. I am ready. I've right. got I got both near me right now. All right. So as as tradition holds, uh, the guest goes first, and I that means I'm the guest on this show. So I'm going to go first. Followed by uh, by you, Chris, and this we're just we're not doing opening and closing. This is just one argument for our selected snack, and for me, that is Cracker Jacks. You were in my house today, Steve. All right. Well, Chris, baseball, 
peanuts and Cracker Jacks, they go hand in hand, largely thanks to the song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It's a song every baseball fan knows, hell, every American knows, and maybe most people around the world. And when Jack Norworth penned the lyrics to Take Me Out to the Ball Game in 1908, he hadn't seen a baseball game yet, Chris. And he actually wouldn't until 1940. That was the year that Ernie Lombardi's Cincinnati Reds edged out Hank Greenberg's Detroit Tigers four games to three to win their second World Series title. Well, little did Norworth know that he was writing a song that would be sung in baseball stadiums and parks for generations to come. And in that song, Norworth forever linked baseball with peanuts and Cracker Jacks with his words, take me out to the ball game, take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. But Chris, who knows? Maybe old Jackie was telling us he didn't care about getting back to plain old peanuts after trying Cracker Jacks. Because Chris, I will grant you, peanuts are a delicious and healthy alternative for sure. But Cracker Jacks take peanuts to the next level. They're peanuts plus popcorn. A confluence of caramel-coated clusters of crunchy confectionery perfection that live up to their slogan, The More You Eat, The More You Want. That was registered back in 1896, Chris, the year they were invented by that patron saint of junk food, Frederick Fritz Ruckheim that immigrant from Germany who came to America and lived the American dream. Some historians consider Cracker Jacks the first junk food, and I understand why. It's peanuts, popcorn, salt, sugar, and caramel coating that comes in a weird little square box that you open by jamming your thumb in the top edge of the box. Sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes it does, and oh God, when it does, it's so satisfying. But Chris, I know what you're thinking. You you pop open that strangely intoxicating wax-lined papered monolith-shaped box with your thumb, shake some sweet, crunchy deliciousness into your hand and maybe even directly into your mouth, and you're thinking, what is the little guy with the sailor's uniform doing on the box? Well, that Chris, that's Sailor Jack, the Cracker Jack mascot who was modeled after little Robert Ruckheim, Fritz's grandson, whom he loved more than anything. Little Robert was so loved by his grandfather Fritz that he is forever memorialized on every box of the product his grandfather helped make famous. Because you see, Chris, Cracker Jacks aren't just a delicious snack forever tied to the game we love. They're about tradition, about a family's legacy, about living the American dream while supporting our game, Chris. Baseball. Chris, did you know that on June 16th, 1993, the 100th anniversary of Cracker Jacks was celebrated at the ballpark you just said you would go to if you had the choice, Wrigley Field, during a game between the Cubs and the Marlins. Before that game, Sailor Jack, the company's mascot, threw out the first pitch. And Chris, in 2004, the Yankees replaced Cracker Jacks with the milder sweet butter toffee flavored crunch and munch at home games and after public outcry the club switched back to cracker jacks what were they thinking anyway how would that have worked take me out to the ball game take me out to the crowd buy me some peanuts and crunch and munch i don't care if i ever go back it doesn't even rhyme chris anyhow i'll end with this 
Chris, you've shared in previous episodes that you're an English teacher. You've devoted your personal and professional life to finding meaning in language, to teaching literally thousands of young minds the significance and utility of words and the impact they have on our lives. And Chris, you're a damn good teacher. In fact, Chris, one might say that when it comes to teaching, you're a crackerjack. Because the definition of crackerjack in the Oxford Dictionary is a person or thing that shows marked ability or excellence. Not only are Cracker Jacks the perfect baseball snack, not only are they sweet and delicious, but their very name means excellence. And oh, by the way, they come with a toy inside. So Chris, when the pandemic is over, let's go out to a ball game. We'll probably have to wear masks. Buy me a beer and some Cracker Jacks. I won't care if we ever get back. Well done, Steve. The teacher in me says A+. There was alliteration in there. There was research. You used the Oxford English Dictionary. You, you sold the American dream using pathos. Next time I go to a baseball game and someone lines a base hit, I'm thinking of Fritz. <laughs> okay. Chris, okay, peanuts. <laughs> You started off with the song, take me out to the ball game. Well, Steve, take me out to the ball game, buy me some peanuts, and you keep those overly sticky Cracker Jacks. I'm not quite (laughs) sure what to do with that quote. Toy, are those pseudo-candy-coated peanuts? I mean, what are they coated with? Varnish? Turpentine? I don't even know what those things are. When I pick them up, I leave them at the bottom. I'm left with that little box that you love so much and those little peanut things stuck down there. You know me, Steve. I have a bit of a sweet tooth, right? But those Cracker Jacks, that super glue concoction that they are made of, they stay cemented to my teeth for at least three weeks afterward, no matter how diligently I brush. But you know what? I'm not here to talk about Cracker Jacks. They are part of baseball in that song. I'm here to talk about peanuts. Peanuts. Peanuts, I am giving you that steel sign. You have stolen my heart. You've stolen my appetite. You've stolen my affection. Let me tell you why peanuts are the quintessential baseball food. First, they complement everything that goes along with baseball, everything you eat at a game. And that's the goal of going to baseball is eating. The saltiness makes the beer better. It makes the brats more exciting. It makes those red vines just a little bit sweeter. Peanuts are that perfect, smooth-feeling, light-hitting second baseman. They are necessary for success of a baseball game. You barely notice them for much of the game until they turn that magical double play of delectable delight, delight awesomeness. I'm trying to alliterate here, Steve. I screwed it up. What can you say? Peanuts are that perfect mental partner of baseball. It's a contemplative sport. Other sports don't take real thought. Baseball is that game of intellect. You need that perfect peanut partner while you contemplate whether or not to bunt to steal, to pitch out, or whether or not your bum manager should have. Tommy, so sorry about that, buddy. Uh, You can mindlessly interact with that puzzle box friend that is the peanut. Will there be two inside, three inside? Are you going to get that grand slam of peanut perfectness? Four peanuts in there. That's, that's, That's mystical when that happens, right? Hamlet may have said I could be bound in a nutshell, but you know what? For me, that nut better be a peanut. 
Peanuts can also be used as weapons at a game. That obnoxious Red Sox fan keeps standing up at your stadium. He keeps chanting out, the Sox are the greatest ever. That's a terrible Boston accent. But you simply hurl that peanut, at that peanut projectile down at him four rows. You plunk that intoxicated moron right in the side of the head. I am not advocating violence. You can't do that with Cracker Jacks. But you know what? I call that legume chin music. You throw it at that Boston Red Sox fan. And you know what? Peanuts, you can share them with everyone at a baseball game. And that's the goal of baseball. Communion, connection with your fellow lovers of baseball. Whether it's your buddy who you haven't seen in a while. Whether it's that little kid staring at you in the front row. Whether it's that genius who's quoting statistics from 1937 sitting behind you. You can always offer them a peanut. Baseball is that shared game. You know, Steve, people on your row start the wave. You join in. That guy next to you puts on your rally cap like I'm doing right now. Here's my Ken Griffey. <laughs> you join along. <laughs> when they start chanting or turning their phones on to blink, you join in. So pass me that peanut bag down. Offer me some more. Start that conversation. That's what we do during that pitching change. And Steve, finally, the perfect aspects of peanuts and baseball. It's the one-two combo. You always get to take some home with you. You never finish the whole bag. That $9 bag of peanuts, some of them go home with you. You put them in the cabinet. You discover them months later. And when you do, you're flooded back with memories of that day at the ballpark, that day with your buddy, that day with your family, that day with your team. And that's what baseball and peanuts are all about. Summer isn't summer without baseball. America isn't America without baseball. We need those memories. We need those moments, those deep flies to left, those diving catches, those dingers, those, those deep flies to center. That's what we need. And every time we do, we're accompanied by our dearest friend in the world, the peanut. Peanuts are the doctor. No, 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 no. Sorry. Peanuts are the doctor. Anthony Fauci of baseball. You can always trust them. So, Steve, play ball and give me those peanuts. <laughs> Did you ever have to make up your mind to pick up on one and leave the other behind? It's not often easy and not often kind. Did you ever have to make up your mind? It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Cake or death? That's a pretty easy question. Anyone can answer that. Cake or death? Uh, cake, please. There can be only one. You don't choose the things you believe in. They choose you. The hardest choices require the strongest will. For the love of God, shut your mouth. Okay. <laughs> okay, listeners. Those are sage words. <laughs> now it's time to cast your vote for Cracker Jacks or Peanuts. And all you need to do is click on the link in the episode notes in your podcast app for this episode. You can find the link on our Facebook page or on Twitter at either or show or Instagram at the same handle at either or show. We're counting on your vote to decide which you like more peanuts or Cracker Jacks for Chris or Steve. I'm Steve reminding you. You must choose. Choose wisely. <laughs> <laughs>